Star Wars 7x7 episode 3003. CASA is the official title of chapter one of season one of the Andor series, and today we are going to dive into it with our first breakdown briefing episode. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy, and thank you so much for joining me for it. So let's talk about CASA, which incidentally, I don't think they actually named the episodes until Thursday. When I watched the episodes on Wednesday, it was just Season 1, Chapter 1, and I swear to you, I don't think they had titles on them. So just as I've watched it again to you know do this episode of the podcast for you, I think they have since added titles. So we have CASA as the name of the first chapter of the series. And so since that's the case, let's lead off with our first thing, summarizing the flashback sequences that we get from the series. First of all, what a bold choice to have all of the dialogue in Canari with subtitles that just say speaking in Canari and do not give any translations to anything. And this also happens with the audio description as well. So the audio description is just letting them talk basically and describing the actions that they're taking. So it's essentially three scenes. We get the scene where they all watch that freighter crash and then we see a bunch of them like gathering to get themselves prepared to go off and investigate what the situation is and then they actually go off and investigate the situation. We meet Casa, and we also meet a young girl who presumably based on the information we see later in the show is Casa's sister who is identified as Carrie, K-E-R-R-I in the credits of chapter one. And because of the fact that the first three episodes were all released together, we have the benefit of knowing that as Casa leaves Carrie behind as he goes to join the rest of the pack or the alphas as it's described in the audio description joining them to go investigate the crash this is going to be the last time that they see each other for a very long time so our second thing to discuss is the cut to the present as it were and it's rather convenient that there's some kind of lead right there on Morlana 1 for Cassian to investigate, considering that he's on Ferrix, which is part of the jurisdiction of the Preox Morlana corporate sector. Especially when you consider that Canari, by the words of one of those corporate types, is pretty obscure, so it suggests that Canari was nowhere near the Morlani system. And so, again, what a coincidence it is that there's a lead on the sister, and it happens to be the system in which Cassian is living. But Cassian finding out that his sister had been there several months ago, that seems like it puts him closer to the trail of where his sister has gone in the galaxy than he's ever been before. So that can only be a good thing. Until, of course, things go very badly. And that scene in the alley where he has to kill that second corporate security officer after accidentally killing the first one, it does bring to mind the scene in Rogue One where he kills his informant Tivik, but that's five years ahead from now, and the weight of so many other similar acts seems to have finally gotten to Cassian by the time we meet him in Rogue One. At this point where we see him 
doesn't look like he has much of an issue with making these kinds of decisions. You don't necessarily get the idea that this is the first guy that he's ever killed, and he certainly doesn't seem to hesitate after shooting the second guy before you know running off the causeway. I mean, he doesn't hesitate in the same way that he hesitated in Rogue One. So yeah, this seems like someone who is definitely not carrying the same psychic weight over the things he's had to do. And since we're talking about who Cassian is at this moment in time, that leads me directly to the fourth thing that I wanted to talk with you about, which is the things we find out about Cassian as a result of his interactions with other characters on Ferrix. For one thing, it's clear that Cassian has had to ask the droid B, B2EMO, so just B for short, has had to ask B to lie for him on more than one occasion. And all it takes is a little extra power from the droid's battery cells to do that, so that's kind of a good thing to know. The second thing has to do with his encounter with Brasso and concocting a story to people off of his back, basically, if people start to investigate what happened over on Morlana 1. And it's clear from this encounter that Cassian and Brasso have had these kinds of exchanges before, that Brasso has covered for Cassian in some fashion or another multiple times. But then also, as he's leaving to get on a transport to go work on the you know the scrapyard stuff he says i'm not lending you any money so now we find out that cassian is somebody who's hitting people up for money and that gets reinforced when he has a run-in with someone who gave him a deposit for something and cassian's like it's in play like i'll let you know when it comes through and yet it's been apparently in play long enough <laughs> that this guy hires somebody to look like a muscle strongman that's going to break his kneecaps or something like that but turns out not because Cassian has friends in low places and then he goes to see Bix and we find out that he's involved with some scheme of hers to get some stuff off of ships that isn't supposed to be left on the ships and they're selling this on the black market somehow and somehow Cassian's getting money involved in this so you know that's I guess one way that he's supporting himself but there's a comment that Bix makes about, you know, why he has a, you know, scratch on his face and and he's like, I tripped and she's like, oh yeah, over a jealous husband. And so now we're given the idea that Cassian is a womanizer. Oh, and in the scene with B, there's also a line where he says that Marva, who is Cassian's adoptive mother, says that he's going to get himself into trouble one day that he can't talk himself out of. So that's who Cassian is. And for a fifth thing, it seems like Cassian's luck is about to run out on Ferrix because he's got at least one person saying, I'm not going to let you float like other people have let you float until they forget what you owe them. We've got the guy, Pergla, saying, is that right, Pergla? Pergo. I wanted to call him Pergo for some reason, saying that he's not going to let Cassian borrow that ship anymore, thinking that Cassian's up to no good with the swapping out of the ID chips. Not to mention the fact that he's afraid he's about to be hunted for the murder of two corporate security officers. So now we get to the sixth thing, which is that Cassian has a MacGuffin up his sleeve. It is this NS9 Starpath device, which apparently he was using when he went to Morlana 1 because he was able to waltz through a checkpoint without any issue. There's supposed to be something about this that not only makes him more or less invisible to sensors, but also lets him check out stuff for nine radial parsecs around him. So what an incredibly useful and lucky device this is to have. 
but he's willing to part with it just to get off world and lay low for a while oh man he must be certain that they're going to come after him and maybe because of the fact that he was using the word canary which seems to be a code word for something that is going to raise red flags all over the place that trouble is just inevitably coming and the irony is that the heat almost didn't come because of that chief inspector who said that Cyril should conjure up a suitable accident, which, by the way, because of the fact that there hadn't been an episode title for this, and because we did that with the Obi-Wan Kenobi episodes, we gave them their own titles since they didn't get them. A suitable accident was going to be what I called this particular chapter in the Andor series if they hadn't come out with their own official title. But it's worth pointing out that as the chief inspector is leaving and giving Cyril his instructions about conjuring up an accident report, one of the things that he says is that, you know, the corporate security force is, you know, currently employing people, including you. So basically the chief makes a veiled threat against Cyril saying, yeah, you're going to drum up my accident report for me or you're going to get fired. But as we know, Cyril does not do that, and he is going to cause a whole world of trouble, which he already starts making in this episode. And so when we get to the Deeper Dive episode tomorrow, we'll talk about the state of this corporate sector and its relationship with the Empire and all that stuff and what kind of trouble we're really looking at. But that's basically the breakdown of what's notable from CASA, which is Chapter 1 of Season 1 of the Andor series, and that is going to do it for the briefing and this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it. As always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited by their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.